Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Mark Job reminds us that we need to focus on what Jesus did through the cross. If you understand the gospel, you will realize that none of us can be good enough for God. That's why Jesus had to come. If there was another way, God would have never sacrificed His Son. There is no other way except through the cross of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's also the president of Moody Bible Institute. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, Mark, on this Easter weekend, we're going to examine several key phrases that Jesus uttered when he was on the cross. Yeah, these phrases are pretty significant they because are. they're short phrases, but they encompass forgiveness, hope, compassion, anguish, humanity, purpose, power. I mean, there's a lot packed into these phrases, and so we're going to try to sort of unpackage those and uh, see what exactly Jesus was trying to communicate. Well, since it is Easter weekend, this message is especially poignant. If you'd like to send it to a friend, you'll find it online at boldstepsweekend.org. But right now, from Luke chapter 23, Mark Job has titled this special message, Phrases of Jesus. We call them the seven words, but they were really phrases. And you know, sometimes when someone is about to die, the last words that they speak are words that people remember. I've been privileged and both challenged by the fact that I've been at the bedside of people that have passed away just because oftentimes I've been called in when someone was at their final hours. And it's interesting that the family always talks about the final words that were said. I've been there when someone was uttering those final words. I've been at the bedside with no one else in the room where someone is looking at me with fear and terror in their eyes saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go. I've been at the bedside where I've seen just the peace of God over someone like, I'm ready. God, take me. It's my time. I'm at peace with God. I've seen both sides, but the final words reveal something about the person and something about their message. Jesus spoke five, uh, seven phrases, and I want to just talk to you, mention the seven phrases, but I want to focus in on, especially on one phrase that Jesus spoke that I think has a lot of relevance to where we're at today. If you look at the book of Luke, both Luke and Matthew and John, and Mark all talk about the final hours of Jesus. And you don't see all seven phrases found in any one of the Gospels. You find, you find it pieced together through various Gospels. But one of the first phrases that Jesus uttered on the cross was, is found in Luke chapter 23, and it's about forgiveness. It says that two other men, both criminals, were also laid out with him to be executed. This is found in Luke chapter 23. And when they came to the place called the skull, Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, listen to these words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. 
and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone does me wrong, the last thing I'm thinking about in the middle of them doing wrong, in the middle of my pain, is forgive them because they know not what they do. I'm like lightning from heaven because I think they know what they're doing. Jesus is speaking forgiveness upon the people that are crucifying because Jesus is saying if they only knew what they're doing, they would have backed away and run from this scene. If they only knew that 2,000 years later people would be telling the story of these Roman guards that pierced the hands of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. If they only knew that he was the Messiah, if they only knew that they were sinning against God, if they only knew that they were taking the life of the one that came to give them life, they would not do it for they know not what they do. And so Jesus asked forgiveness upon people that didn't even know they needed forgiveness. Now here's what I've discovered about the message of the gospel is that there are people all over Chicagoland and maybe some of you that are in this auditorium today that you don't even know how desperately you need, you need forgiveness. That, that maybe you look at your life and you don't know that, like the soldiers, that we crucified the Son of God with our living. That, that you're not even aware that the forgiveness that God is offering to you, that you need it so desperately and so badly. Sometimes the very thing that we need the most, we're unaware that we need, need it. How, how many of you know that? And so, I love what it tells us in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come. In Matthew 26, verse 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So the first thing I want you to understand is that the message of Jesus is about forgiveness. The second thing, phrase that he uttered from the cross was this, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. There were two thieves, one at his right and one at his left. One of them, while he hung on the cross and was about to die, started hurling insults at Jesus. Hey, you say you're the son of God, why don't you get yourself off the cross and by the way, get us off the cross as well. He insulted Jesus, laughed at Jesus, mocked Jesus. They were all dying, but he had this pride and this unbelief about him. But the other thief on the other side, verse 40 said, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are pu punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I love these words of Jesus. I want you to hear this. This is so important. So Jesus says to this man on the cross that's lived a criminal lifestyle, he's lied, cheated, robbed, He's been, I'm sure he's robbed so many times, finally he gets caught. He's being sentenced to death. And Jesus says to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. And then, hold on, Jesus. Do you know who this guy is? Do you know how he's lived? He didn't have time to prove himself to God. He didn't have time to get baptized. 
He didn't have time to go to church. He didn't have time to clean up his life. He didn't have time to try to mend for the bad things that he'd done. He died. He was, he was hours from his death, having lived a terrible life, yet he did one important, powerful thing. He believed the message of Jesus, and he trusted him as his Savior. You see, if you believe that our entrance and being right before God is all based on good works, that makes no sense to you. You would say, well, he needs to go to hell, is what needs to happen to him. Because if you don't understand the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the message of the gospel, you believe that to be right with God, we have to really clean up our act and we have to try to be really good before God accepts us. But if you understand the gospel, you will realize that none of us can be good enough for God. That's why Jesus had to come. If there was another way, God would have never sacrificed his son. There is no other way for cleansing and forgiveness to come to our lives except through the cross of Jesus Christ. So that speaks to hope. The next phrase that he uttered speaks to compassion. In John 19, 28, Jesus is dying on the cross. He looks down and he sees his mother, Mary. It tells us in verse 25, Now there stood by the cross Jesus, Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clephas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus on the cross saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, which is referring to John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. John was there. And he said to his disciple, behold your, thy mother. And from that hour on, the disciple took her into his own house. I love the fact that Jesus... And I know every mother in here loves this fact too. How about it, mothers? Don't you love the fact that Jesus is dying, he's going, and he wants to make sure his mother's taken care of? He looks down and he sees his mother broken, hearted, weeping. Can you imagine being a mother and seeing your son die a horrible death of torture? Your, your, your son who you've loved, who you've nurtured, seeing him suffer and knowing who he was. And so Jesus looked down and so he said... Uh, he said to his mother um, that he said to John, hey, John, take care of her like she's your mother. And he said to Mary, Mary, uh, he's going to be like your son. And from that day on, John, John, the disciple, took care of Mary like if it was his own mother. I love the compassion that Jesus shows there. So we, you see forgiveness. You see hope. You see compassion. The fourth phrase that he utters, we see anguish. Look in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. It says that Jesus, now in the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. It means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard it, they thought he was calling for Elias because they didn't understand the language he was speaking in. 
And straightway one came with a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him something to drink. And the rest said, let it be, let us see whether Elias will come to serve him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is one of the darkest phrases in all of Scripture. And you say, well, pastor, I don't understand. I thought it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How could God love Jesus so much and yet forsake him in his toughest hour? How could God the Father abandon Jesus at his most difficult moment in his life? How could he, Jesus feel abandoned by the Father at the moment that he was suffering the cruelest torture on earth? The Bible tells us that at that moment in history, Jesus came to pay a price. What Jesus did on that cross, it had been predicted hundreds of years before. In fact, it was in the heart of the Father since the beginning of the world. He knew that one day his son would pay for the sins of all humanity. The very first sin that was ever committed in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, Jesus took upon the cross the blame and guilt of it. Every murder, every rape, every act of bigotry, every act of hatred, every jealousy, every unforgiveness and resentment, Everything that's occurred in humanity among th hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people throughout in the entire world, every thought, every indecency, everything that's been committed since the beginning of time until the end of humanity, at that one moment in history, Jesus took upon him the sins of all of humanity at that time because he was the only spotless, sinless sacrifice to take upon him the sins of humanity. And he knew when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it wasn't the physical death that he feared the most. It was that moment in time where he would take on the guilt of all of humanity upon himself and feel the wrath of the Father upon him. At that moment, he became sin for us so that we could live clean without sin. Do you understand that? It's like at that moment in time, someone that's innocent, that hasn't committed a crime, the judge says to that person, you're going to jail for the entire life and I'm going to set the other person free. And so the judgment of the judge falls upon the innocent person that takes upon him the guilt and the pain and the punishment that should go to another person. Eli Eli, lama sabachthani. The fifth phrase that he said was, I'm thirsty. It illustrates his humanity. And verse 28 of John chapter 19 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. I believe that this is recorded in scripture so that we would know that although he was all God, he suffered every form 
of physical feeling that every human being would experience if he were on the cross. Jesus wasn't shielded supernaturally from the pain and physical torture that he experienced on the cross. We see his humanity. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus was all God, yet at the same time all man. Jesus never lost his divinity and fully experienced his humanity. It's the mystery of the incarnation. For some people that's a stumbling block. For other people it's the power of God unto salvation. And we see that humanity there. The sixth phrase shows purpose. In John chapter 19 verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus looked to the heavens, and this is probably the most important phrase that you'll find out of these seven phrases on the cross. And Jesus said, our English Bibles translate it, it is finished. But yet in the original language, the word is tetelestai. Go ahead, try to say it. I know you want to. Tetelestai. When Jesus was on the cross, of course, he didn't speak English and say it's finished. He said, tetelestai. Now that's an interesting word because of the profound significance of this word. That word is translated in some versions as paid in full or accomplished. It was a legal, it was a commercial word that was used in transactions when someone had paid the full amount, then it was stamped paid in full. How many of you had, have finished a car payment that you worked on for a long time and you finally handed in the last car payment and it was stamped paid in full? Isn't that a great feeling? Some of you are like, no, Pastor, never felt that. I got 20 more years to feel that. I, I actually wanted to illustrate it a little bit more significantly and I thought about this this morning. I asked if we had in the office upstairs a stamp that said paid. It doesn't say paid in full, but it says paid. Our office uses it when a bill is paid, they stamp it and then sign it. When Jesus hung on that cross, after he had said he was thirsty, right before he said he was about to say, into your hands I commend my spirit, he looked to the heavens and he said, it is accomplished. It is paid in full. What was paid in full? Oh, you need to hear this. I, I, I thought to myself, this is exactly what happened. This is a stamp that says paid. What happened on that cross that one day is that, well, this is what happened. That blood that was trickling down that cross, those hands that had been pierced, that back that had been bloody, it was that blood, that red blood, the blood of Jesus. And that blood was spilled on your behalf and my behalf. The enemy had a, well, the enemy had a whole list against you. It's a list of every sin that you've ever committed, every thought that you've ever, ever had, every indecency, both the thoughts of your mind and your heart and your spirit, 
Every time you've hurt someone, every time you've hated someone, every time there's been covetousness or lying or deception and or immorality in your life, uh, well, it would be a list a lot bigger than this, right? Some of you say, Pastor, pull out a big dictionary. It's kind of more like that. It's like a big, big list. And some of you are, are really smug here, and you're telling me, you're thinking to myself, to yourself, Pastor, I'm not that bad. See, I believe one of the greatest deceptions of humanity is people think they're good enough to make it to God. Listen, there are more people that are wrong with God today because they think they're good enough to be right with God. One of the biggest lies that you have in your mind is you think that you're not so bad after all, that probably you're good enough, you're better than most of the people you know, we're better than your neighbor. How many of you know when we compare ourselves, we always try to figure, we always try to find the worst person to compare ourselves to? And you say, well, what's the standard, God? And God looks at you and says, the standard to make it in my kingdom is zero. You say, oh, pastor, who's going to, no one's going to make it. The standard is that no one enters into my kingdom unless they are holy like I'm holy. The standard is zero. You say, pastor, we're all lost then. Oh, that's why we all need a savior. You see, if we could make it on our own, if the bar was low enough and we said, okay, 30,000, anybody over 30,000 doesn't make it, anybody under 30,000 makes it, then we could try to enter heaven on our good works. Then I wouldn't be pointing you to a cross today. I would be pointing you to morality today. I would try to make you a better person. I would try to correct you enough to be good enough for God. But here's what I know. There's none of us that make it to heaven on our own good works. Our good works before God, the Bible tells us, are as filthy rags. There's all, all all the good that we can do doesn't even get us to the second rung of the ladder to get to glory. There is not a person in this auditorium, no one has ever existed that has made it to God on their own good works. Their good works are filthy rags before God. We're indebted beyond what we can pay. We need someone to pay the price for us. Someone better than us, purer than us, holier than us. There's only one person. He's the Son of God. You see, this is the heart of the gospel. There are tons of people that are lost, religious, good people that are going to a godless eternity because they think somehow if they're just better than they were last year that they'll be right with God. The Bible is clear. None of us, none of us can make it without a Savior. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came to offer forgiveness because all of us need a savior. None of us can make it on our own. You see, the moment that you don't understand you need a savior is the moment that you condemn yourselves by trying to improve your life to be accepted before God. When Jesus died on the cross, this is the list of your sins. Sins that go longer and longer, sins that you could never pay. When Jesus died on the cross, this is what he said. He said, Father, it's been paid in full by the blood of Jesus. You're listening to a special edition of Bold Steps Weekend with our Bible teacher, Mark Job, and a message for this Easter time titled, Phrases of Jesus. You can find us online at boldstepsweekend.org. And if you haven't already, take a moment and request your copy of our latest Bold Action Gift. To tell us more about it, here again is Mark Job. As Christians, 
we want to reach those around us with the love and truth of the gospel. But when every attempt is met with hostility, condemnation, and judgment, many of us are tempted to simply walk away and leave our persecutors to their own devices. That's why our Bold Action Gift is such an important resource. It's a book from Dr. Erwin Lutzer that not only encourages us to stay in the fight, but shows us how. It's titled, We Will Not Be Silenced. And you're invited to discover some of the legitimate hurts and concerns that non-believers have about the church and how to respond with compassion and truth. Friends, our world is in desperate need of what only Christ can provide. And no matter what we risk by sharing the gospel, the reward is infinitely more. So don't wait. Reach out and request We Will Not Be Silenced today. We'll send you a copy straight to your door when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. Yes, and we'll be happy to send you a copy when you give online at boldstepsweekend.org. Or you can give over the phone by calling us at 866-535-5580. You can also send a one-time gift and request We Will Not Be Silenced in the mail. Maybe that's more convenient. Just address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And by the way, we have a variety of convenient ways you can listen to Bold Steps Weekend, including your Alexa device. Just turn on your device and say the following commands. Alexa, enable Moody Radio. Alexa, open Moody Radio. Alexa, play Bold Steps Weekend from Moody Radio. And then if you'd like to access the special new video content coming on exclusively on the Bold Steps YouTube channel, be sure to subscribe there as well by searching for Bold Steps Radio on YouTube. Well, on behalf of Mark Job and all your friends, I'm Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a blessed Easter. And we'll see you again next time here on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.